0: If I can drag this 150 pound podium over here. See, I want to tell you this morning if things are a little rough, you just keep letting it drag. Sooner or later, the rough edges will smooth out. I'm kidding with y'all. Amen. Couldn't help myself. Hallelujah. How is everyone today in the house of the Lord? Come on, give him some praise, my Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Church, I want to tell you about our children, our kids, amen. They are our future. They are our expectation, amen, moving forward. If you look at any church, if we got more gray hair than we do non-gray hair, man, your church is in trouble. So we welcome in these kids, we welcome in these children, and we want to bless them, we want to pour into them, we want to encourage them, we want to uplift them, we want to educate them, we want to give them all the tools that they need to walk a successful Christian life in Jesus Christ. But through all that, amen, what we continue to do with these children is let them have a good time, but we continue to point them to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How many of you know today He's the answer? He's the answer for all that we need, all that we desire, amen. If we can put our faith and trust in our Lord and Savior, amen, I want to tell you, you're going to have trials and tribulations. You're going to have difficulties. I won't set up here and tell you that it's going to be a life of peaches and roses and everything's just going to be honky-gore. You're never going to have any problems. In fact, it's going to be quite the opposite because since you have gotten saved, you are now entered into the battle. You are now entered into the war. And maybe when you were lost, you did not have a lot of potential for influence upon your family, upon your children, upon your siblings, upon your friends and your acquaintances. You maybe didn't have a lot of potential influence. But now, since you have given your heart and your life to the Lord, you have a tremendous amount of influence in your life. Those that you talk to, those that you touch, those that you speak to, those that you help, what you were doing is you were actually sharing the light, the love, the life, the power of Jesus Christ unto them and unto their situations. That's why the Bible is called when we talk about church, that's why the Bible calls it the pool. Because when a man of God stands up and he speaks under the anointing of the Lord God Almighty, he has potential to literally pull people from the very pits of hell. Amen. And we know that young lady last Sunday, she gave her heart and she gave her life to Jesus Christ. She literally was pulled from the pits of hell by the power of the Lord God Almighty. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be quite Difficult for you, but the answer is the same as it was when you gave your heart and life to him is to just keep walking, keep trusting, keep depending upon the Lord for all that you need. I want to tell you, faith in this life is Jesus Christ plus nothing. It's Jesus Christ. I want to tell you today, He is all that you need. He's all that you need today. Oh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask you just to touch this service, Lord. Just anoint it, Lord God, with your very breath of life today, Lord God. Lord, we seek your prosperity. We seek your forgiveness. We seek, oh, Lord God, your conviction. We seek your blessings. We seek your touch. We seek you today above all things. Lord, above all the noise, the excitement the movement of the world, Lord, I would ask that it would just stop right now for this moment, for this hour, that we may hear from you today, O Lord God. Let our attention be focused today. Let us put away the trials and tribulations, the hardships, the cell phones today, what we're going to do after the service, what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to be waiting for us in this week. Lord, let us set aside all those things. Lord, the very sin that does so easily beset us and let us sit at your feet today and hear you speak to our hearts. Let us not be like Martha, Lord God, that was too busy, worried about cleaning the house and the presentation that she missed the everlasting, edifying, delivering words of you, Lord bring into subjection every thought, Lord, unto the obedience of you today. I ask for an anointing, a touch to speak your word, Lord, which exactly as you've given it to my heart, and let the effect be upon your people today. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus, and we believe it to be so. And everyone in our house said amen, amen, hallelujah. Turn with me in your Bibles today to the book of Revelations, chapter 3, Revelations. I'll title this message today, Where is God in your life? Recently in the back, Brother Cobb, who teaches on Wednesday nights, he talked about God's GPS. We all know that the GPS is a coordinate system that goes all around the globe, and it can pinpoint all the way down to, I think, like an inch or even a centimeter in it, Brother Greg, something like that. It can go all the way down to that point particular space all up on this earth. is called Global Positioning System, God's GPS. And Brother Cobb talked about that today on a Wednesday. But today what I want to speak to you about is where is Christ in your life? You see, oftentimes when we're distant, oftentimes when we're away, oftentimes we think that we're actually somewhere that we're not. Have you ever been traveling, maybe before cell phones come out and you ended up in a place and you stopped and asked someone for directions and you were quite shocked for them to tell you, you would say, well, I'm trying to get here and I think I'm quite south of that road here. Maybe I'm south of the interstate. Or I'm somewhat east of my direction. And were you totally shocked and surprised when they began to tell you, you're a long way away from where you really think you are. In fact, let me tell you, where you actually are at this moment because I can tell after speaking to you that you do not actually know where you are. You have a perception of where you are, but the truth, the reality is that you are literally somewhere else. And I think God's Word today is going to answer that question. Not where you are, but where is Christ in your life? Is Christ right there in a very intimate place? Is He in a place that you can actually speak to Him, that you can commune with Him, that you literally can have fellowship with Him? Or is Christ, even though you know Him, even though you have accepted Him, even though you believe in Him, even though you trust in Him, is Christ in a very far away place from where you actually think you are with And if we will trust the Lord today, the Lord will actually show us and reveal to our own hearts and our own consciousness of where Christ is in your life. In fact, we're going to look at a people, a time period of people, which I truly believe is today's church, where they thought they were somewhere else with Christ, but in fact, in reality, they were totally somewhere different. It is quite a shock unto us when we think we are somewhere with the Lord and God Himself speaks to our hearts and into our lives and reveals that we are far from where we thought we were in Him. But thank goodness, hallelujah, that we are in the age, the time of grace. And if God reveals that unto your heart today... He will give you the opportunity to respond accordingly and come unto Him. The Bible is full of Him actually calling, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. He calls the saints. He has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He is like a beacon of light up on the hill, shining forth, seeking and searching for all those that would be lost, all those that would crash up against the rocks. He shows us the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by Him. Even His very Spirit, the bride of the church, it calls out and says, Come back unto me. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. It is a constant call through the word of God, constantly calling the way-wearing strangers, constantly calling the sheep who've got far away, constantly calling them back to a closer, more intimate, proper walk with Him. God will give you the opportunity today to come back unto Him if that is you he's speaking to you Church, isn't that great and wonderful? Hallelujah. Give him some praise, my Lord. Mm. Revelations chapter 3 and verse 14. Where is Christ in your life? I didn't say your neighbor. I didn't say your spouse. I didn't say your children. I didn't say your grandchildren. Where is Christ in your life the reason I bring that out to you is because it is a personal walk we have with the Lord let me tell you you can't depend on your spouse amen for your relationship with God you can't depend on your children for your relationship with God you can't depend on your friends for your relationship with God God calls us to have a personal relationship with him In fact, He calls us His bride. How many people can you be married to at one time, my Lord? You don't expect to marry somebody and then you have a relationship with your spouse through someone else, do you? You have a personal relationship with that person. Two flesh have been made into one flesh. Let me tell you, when you stand before the Lord one day, I truly believe it's not going to be anybody else there. It's going to be you and the Lord. You're going to have to seat, to be in the seat of Christ. And he's going to try all our works with fire and those that were not true and of the Lord, they're going to be burned up. We are not ever going to fool the Lord. In fact, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17 and 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Basically saying, you don't even know your own heart. But then it goes on to tell us that God alone tries heart. God alone tries the heart. He tests it. God alone knows the heart. We don't even know our own hearts how deceitful they are. I've told you before, but I'll tell you again. Your heart will fool you and lie to you and deceive you to a devil's hell. Your heart will tell you it's okay to live and do whatever you want to do. You'll get right with the Lord one day. Just live in sin. Just do whatever the flesh wants to. Just live it up right now. That's what your heart tells you to do. And the flesh loves it. Let me tell you something. Our flesh loves sin. It loves it. It eats it up. It can't get enough of it. Sin, 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 sin. Your flesh loves that. Your heart tells you, keep doing it, keep doing it. There won't be no repercussions. Keep doing it. You'll have time one day to maybe even repent and get saved. And you'll live in heaven forever. Just live your life now. Be free. That's a lie from the pits of hell from your own heart. God says, give your heart to me and I'll give you a new heart. Is that not what it tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I have a new heart. I have a new attitude. I have new lust. I have new desires because I have given my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Give him some praise on that. Mm. Your heart will deceive you, but God will speak to us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Revelations 3 and verse 14. This is the last of the church ages that the Lord himself is speaking to. It's up for debate, but I truly believe these are ages. These are characteristics of a type of. Of people in that generation, in that time span, in that era, it doesn't mean everyone is like this. But if you could characterize that particular time span, that particular era, it would be some of these characteristics. They're spoken of in these different churches that it represents here in Philadelphia and Laodicea and all these different types of churches. It speaks about, in the first few chapters of Revelation. this is the last church-age, church-type of people that it's speaking to. By the way, he's speaking to believers. He's speaking to the lost right here. He's speaking to believers, so take note, pay attention this morning if you're saved today, because God is speaking directly to us. Search your heart through God's anointing, through His Word, to see if this represents some of you and your attitude and your thinking. Your mindset. Come on, God's word challenges us, doesn't it? Come on, do you want to feel good message today? Here to tell you, I'm going to preach whatever God tells me to preach. Amen, this is what he gave me. You'll feel a lot better when you walk out of this church here in the true word of God than, hey, everything's honky dory Woo, we're going to be rich in prosperity forever. Church, that is not what the Bible says. Go talk to all the disciples and see what happened to them. They all were martyred. In fact, the Bible says count the cost. The cost, Amen. Before you come in, and unto the angel, this means like a pastor, into the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things. Saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I love that title. How many of us know that all things were made by Him and for Him, and without Him was not anything made that was. Christ was the first creation of God. Amen. I think God truly separated out Himself and it was the Son. He separated out Himself and it was the Holy Spirit. We three are one. Amen. Hallelujah. It's mind-boggling to think about those things. But it's three distinct parts or persons all in one, all in unity that make up the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. As He would say in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, let us make man in our image, having a body a soul and a spirit verse 15 I know your works Oftentimes, we hide things from one another, we hide things in the closet we think no one really knows what we're hiding and a lot of times they don't, but nothing nothing, nothing is hid from the Lord In fact, as I've already stated, He knows your heart, your motives, your everything even better than you do. Nothing is hid from the almighty eyes of the Lord. David would say, a man after God's own heart, Behold, Lord, if I go up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're still there. I cannot get away from you, Lord God. And I want to tell you, hell is going to be a burning, hot place full of gnashing of teeth, full of pain, full of torture. And I truly believe that people are never going to not be able to feel the presence of God. They're going to be able to feel God because God is everywhere, but they are going to be separated from Him, and they're going to be in a place of torture and gnashing of teeth and pain and a devil's hell for an eternity. People have said, well, truly being away from God is hell. I want to tell you, that's not hell. God is everywhere. God is everywhere, and He's going to continue to be everywhere. He's going to be there in His presence in hell, but there's going to be not an opportunity to repent. Today is the day of salvation. Repentance and righteous living is available unto us today. When you take your last breath, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late for an eternity. In fact, this life is nothing but preparation for eternity. You believe that today? Come on, give him some praise. Hallelujah. Mm. I know your works and that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. And so then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth now we've all heard these verses before I truly think he's talking about some type of use is that a lot of times whenever they would bring this water up out of the ground in fact Laodicea was a few miles from the area of Colossae If you don't know where that's at, that's basically in Asia Minor. It is the southern peninsula of Asia, as we would call it today. It's going to be the area where Turkey's at, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran, that very southern peninsula down there is going to be called Asia Minor. This is the area of Laodicea that he's actually writing this letter to, speaking to. At this very moment, this is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, speaking these words to Him. And they would often pipe that water out of the ground. And by the time it was cool when it come up out of the ground, but by the time it reached them, it was lukewarm. And we all know we certainly don't want to drink lukewarm water. If you want to drink water, you want to drink some type of cold water. Or if you have hot water, there's some type of use for cleaning purposes and some other things. But most of the time, we don't use lukewarm water for anything. So what he's basically saying right here to us is this. I wish that you were either cold or I wish that you were hot because then you would be in a place and position to where you could be used. But because you're neither cold, because you're neither hot, you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I want to tell you some very strong words to the church. I will spew you out of my mouth. Church, this literally means to vomit. Very strong visual words that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has given to us here talking about our works, talking about our attitude, talking about our walk, talking about our place and position in Him. Verse 17. This is the reason that you're lukewarm. This is the reason that I will spew you out of my mouth is because you say because you say tell me this doesn't sound like America right here. I'm rich I'm increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. Let me tell you, when I, I've been, to, I've had the privilege of going to foreign countries and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, to Africa, to India, to Mexico, it's been a great privilege. But one of the major things, everyone asked me, "How is it over there? How's the church?" I say, "Well, they're very excited. They're this. They're that." And they asked me, "What's the major differences between here and there?" And I said, "Well, the major difference I see." between the churches there and the churches here is this one fact. We all need the Lord, do we not? We all need the Lord. The difference is, in America, we don't always know that we need the Lord. In those foreign countries, they know they need the Lord. They know that they need God for everything. I've seen them pray for their next meal. I've seen them literally begin to pray For what they were going to eat in just a few hours to feed their family and their children. They know that they need the Lord. Most of the time our attitudes are I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. Or as I could say it a better way, sometimes for the modern day church, you know what our attitude usually is? I'm just gonna sit right here and hang out on this pew until the rapture happens. Don't ask me to do nothing. Don't ask me to get involved. Don't ask me to help. My time is my time. I work all week. I cut grass on Saturdays. I'm only coming to church one time on Sundays. I'm only doing this. I'm only doing that. I can't make... Am I talking to anybody this morning? You ask people to even help and get involved in church, you can't always depend on them to show up. I'm being honest with you this morning. It's a pastor talking to you. You can't always depend on them to show up. And then when you ask them, Know, what happened? Well, we had to do this and we had to do that. You know, my time is mine. It hurts. What about the Lord? What about the Lord? Come on, am I stepping on your toes a little bit this morning? It hurts sometimes, amen. I tell you the truth because I love you. I really do love you. I want every one of you running in the Lord. I want every one of you want every one of your joys to be full. I want you to be overcomers in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, that's my prayer for you today. That's my prayer for you today as the shepherd of this body. That your joy would be full. You say, I'm rich and I'm increased with goods and I have need of nothing. No, it's not that you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, blind and you're naked. Look at what he says here though. I counsel you. Look at the contrast verse with that. I'm rich, I'm increased with goods and I've had need of nothing. Knoweth you not that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. Come on, they thought they were something and the Lord says you are not this instead you are this. Verse 18. I counsel you To buy of me gold tried in the fire. Now in 1 Peter 1 and 7, he goes on to tell us this. He says that the trying of your faith is much more precious than gold which perishes. Even though the gold has been tried in the fire, he goes on to say that your faith is going to be much more precious than this, that it may be found to be the praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you today that we should not get so focused on material things. We should not get so focused on all these things because the trying of your faith is going to be much, much more precious than anything that you and I own in this life. Did you know that? The trying of your faith is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But it's going to be to the praise and the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ whenever he appears. Hallelujah. And the honor and praise and glory is going to come to him that whenever we're tried, whenever we're tested, whenever the tribulation is here, whenever it's hard, whenever it's difficult... Instead of trying to fight that in our own power, our own will, our own way, our own materialistic way, our finances, our own strength, all those things, instead we choose to rely to trust in the strength and power and provision of the Lord. Whenever we have the victory and we are overcomers, all of the praise, honor, and glory doesn't go to ourselves; It goes to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who overcomed on our behalf. Hallelujah. Can we give Him some praise on that? The word faith is an action word. It literally means not just to believe in something. It means to trust in something. To literally believe in it and trust in it. To put all your eggs per se in that basket and say, I believe, I trust that God is going to work in this situation. God is going to heal God is going to deliver. God is going to provide. God is going to restore. God is going to rectify. God is going to give us power. God is going to grow. God is going to increase. And I put my faith in the Lord, and God is going to do all those things and much, much more than I can even think or ask. Therefore, God gets the glory. And whenever the next trial and tribulation comes, whether it's a month, it's a week, it's a day, it's four years from now, and you go into another season of being tried and tested, you're able to look back and say, I remember when I was there and God saw me through. it. I remember when I was standing before the giant before and God over." I was victorious. Therefore, the trying of your faith is much more precious than any gold you can have in this life. Church, that's rich this morning now. Mm, that's rich. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich in white raiment. Now this white raiment that he's speaking of here This is talking about the righteousness of the saints, which comes through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many of us know this morning that we have no righteousness in and of ourselves? The word righteousness literally means to be found right and correct in the sight of the Lord. Not in the sight of man, in the sight of the Lord. Because man often has a tendency—I'm bad about this myself—to say something like this. Well, that's good enough. Anybody else do that? I'm not a perfectionist. My wife, she everything's got to be perfect, and I'm like, ah, it's good enough. Is it straight? Yeah. We can't do that with God. God says it has to be this. Therefore, righteousness is being found right. And in the sight of the Lord. That's why it's so important that we seek God's righteousness because you and I have none. We're a bunch of sinners that are in need of a Savior and forgiveness and mercy and compassion and deliverance. But God is righteous. Therefore, His righteousness when we confess with our mouth when heart we were placed into the body of christ when the father looks at us when the father deals with us he doesn't look and deal with us with our righteousness because we have none he looks at us and deals with us with the righteousness of jesus christ because you and i have now been washed by the blood of the lamb and we are now in christ therefore when god the father deals with us and sees us he sees christ he doesn't see our righteousness come on y'all seeing it this morning how much more should we depend upon the Lord? In Revelations chapter 19 he talks about these robes of righteousness that you and I are going to receive for an eternity. Revelations 19 and verse 4 And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying Amen, hallelujah!" And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and you that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent, which means all-powerful, reigns. Verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come. Church, we're the bride of Christ. And His wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and wiped. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Christ is saying this here in Revelations 3 when He says, Buy of me that white raiment in verse 18 that you may be clothed with the righteousness of God and that the shame of your nakedness does not appear. Church, it is the covering, hallelujah, of the righteousness of God. God, that He gives freely now in this age, this time of grace, that we may have a mindset that we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, but know if you not that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, come on, we don't have to be naked in this life uncovered for all to see all of our sin, but instead we can be clothed with the righteousness of God. Come on, give him some praise on that, my Lord. Hallelujah. Hmm. And that your eyes and anoint, verse 18, your eyes with the eye salve that you may see. Now, this is not just talking about a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is not just talking about darkness and all of a sudden you're able to see this is talking about much much more than physically being able to see certain things this is talking about here true enlightenment from God how many of us can look back on our walk before the Lord I can look back on my own walk let me tell you something I was a known sinner I was known in this community for sin I was known as a troublemaker I was known as this I was known as that I didn't get saved I was 26 years old but let me tell you, once I got saved by the power of the Lord, amen, He put a hunger, He put a thirst, He put a drive, He put a desire, He put life inside Him, amen, and I didn't want the life of this world anymore. I wanted life, and I wanted it everlasting. And let me tell you, that hunger, that thirst has never been satisfied. I want more, amen, more of the Lord, more power, more forgiveness, more righteousness, more life more unction, more passion in my life. I want more, amen. And it comes from a walk in relationship with Jesus Christ to say, Lord, I have none, but Lord God, I'm empty. You are full. In fact, you're not just full. You're overflowing, Lord God. Fill up my cup and keep filling it up over and over and over again. Give me some in abundance, amen. Just let it flow and let it flow. Let it flow inside of me. Lord, give me more enlightenment that I may see, that I may realize, that I may experience, that I may know. That I may have discernment. That I may have wisdom. That I may have intellect. That I truly may be able to see the strategy of the enemy. I truly may be able to see where I'm not walking on the path. I may be able to see where others are erring. I may be able to see the enemy attacking my family. I may be able to see what's going on in your life. I may be able to speak words to help you. Lord, give me more knowledge. Give me more enlightenment Lord God. That I can be the vessel, the person, the man, the believer that you intended for me to be. In fact, he tells us about this enlightenment. Turn back just a few books back to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 in verse 24. He talks about when we abide in Christ, we begin to become enlightened with truth. first do we need more truth in our lives? Come on, not of the world, this old nonsense, this old television, YouTube, internet, junk. <laughs> or do you want truth? You want truth that sets the captives free, I want to tell you. It's right here. And it's found not in this world, but in a man named Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Truth. Verse 24 says this in verse John chapter 2. Let that therefore abide in you. The word abide literally means to rest, by the way, church. If you've ever struggled with this word in your studies, it means much more than rest, by the way. It means the type of rest that whenever you go in, it's like putting your feet up and kicking off your shoes, amen? If I come over to your house to visit with you and drink coffee, I'm probably not going to kick my shoes off and stretch out in your lazy boy. Well, I might if I'm tired enough. Because it's not my house, amen? I don't rest that way in your home. It's your home. But in your house, you kick your feet back and you take your shoes off, amen? That's what the word literally abide means. It's that type of rest where you feel safe, secure, and comfortable enough to kick back. Isn't that great that we could do that in the Lord? We should have that type of rest in Jesus Christ. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning that that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you and you shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that have promised us even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Listen to this now in verse 27 and 28. But the anointing which you have received of him abides or it rests in you. And you need not that any man teach you but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and it is truth and it is no lie and even as it hath taught you you shall abide in him and now little children abide in him that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming God's Holy Spirit abides in us this is our whole vision verse is it not? Christ in us that if we will rest in him we will seek him God will give us the true eyesalve to see all that God intends us to see church he will give us enlightenment church isn't that wonderful come on give him some praise my lord mmm Verse 19, if you've heard any of the preaching this morning, hear this verse. Hear this verse this morning. None of us wants to hear stuff that that steps on our toes, do we? Most of us run from confrontation. Most of us do. I'm not a big person on confrontation either. Most of us run from confrontation. But when God is speaking to you, he's speaking in love. He loves you enough to tell you the truth so that you may hear and receive and respond unto Him and change. Amen? That's why God speaks to you like He does sometimes. That's why I talk to you sometimes like I do. As many as I love, verse 19, I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And this word repent, we talk about it all the time in relation to salvation. This is what it really means. It don't just mean, I'm not going to do that no more by God. I won't never do that again. It means much more than that. It means you verbally do say that I'm not going to do that anymore. But then, instead of just hanging out and being tempted and being in those same situations over and over again, and it's right there before you, instead of being in that place and position, just trying to fight it in your own strength, your own willpower, saying, I'm not going to do it again. Instead, you say, I'm not going to do it again, and you turn and you walk away from it. And you get as far away from that sin, you get as far away from that thing as you possibly can get in your life, in your actions, in your attitude, everything. That's what the word repent literally means. It means to walk away, church. He says, Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Now, verse 20 is the verse I wanted to get to this entire sermon. By the way, this is my favorite verse in the entire Word of God. If you've ever wondered, I wonder what Brother Joey's favorite verse is. This is my favorite verse. I love this verse. Revelations 3 and 20 says this, Behold, which means take note, pay attention, look a little more closely listen what I'm about to tell you I stand at the door and knock what we see right here is this we see a church we see a people that basically said this about their walk with the Lord I'm rich, and I'm increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. My Lord, in church, great. Woo! And they had no idea that somewhere in that walk, somewhere in that journey, somewhere in that life, whom they were worshiping, whom they were seeking, whom they thought they were praising, got up and walked out of the. they were praising, the one they thought they were honoring, is outside of the door of the church. Christ may be outside of your heart, and you didn't even realize it. It was a question I you were seeking, you thought you were searching, but really you wasn't. And because of that and all these other things have entered into your life, Christ is not first and foremost anymore. Instead, he's outside of Christ would tell us these words, even though I'm outside of your heart, I'm outside of that door, if any man will hear my voice and open up the door, I will come in unto him and I will sup with I'll come where you abode, where you're living right now. If you'll open up your heart, I'm not going to force my way in. And I'll sit down with you at your table. And I'll have fellowship. That's who we serve. Even though he says all these things, he says, hey, I'm knocking. I'm knocking on your heart. I going to tell you, there's some of you and say to me today, Brother Joy, you just don't understand, though. I, I, I got enemies just all around me. Everything's a trial. Everything's hard. It's, everything's trying to destroy my family. My kids are doing this. My kids moved into drugs. My grandkids are doing this. I, there's just chaos throughout my whole family. I got enemies everywhere. How can I possibly, in the middle of this storm, in the middle of this war, sit down and have communion with the Lord I'm going to tell you the 23rd Psalm which is probably the most beautiful piece of writing we have in history it tells us exactly what the Lord does the 23rd Psalm says this the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. he leadeth me beside the still waters he restoreth my soul he leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, because Thou art with me. Your rod and Your staff comfort me. And then the very next verse, it tells us this. You preparest a table for me in the presence of my enemy. No matter where you are today, God says, if you will open up your heart, enemies may be all around us, but I will keep them back. And I will prepare a feast for you and I in the very midst of our enemies. Church, is that not awesome to think about? Come on, is that not the God we serve today? Hallelujah. Oh, would you stand with us, please? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back for a few moments. Oftentimes we wonder, what does God really think of me since he knows my heart? I want to tell you, he thinks highly of you and he loves you. Where I used to work out at warehouse, I worked for warehouse for 12 years. I did safety work. They had a man there that had been there since they opened that facility. He'd been there some 30 years. His name was Donnie. And he was over like the parts purchasing. He ran the little shop there. He was a righteous man. And it come time for him to retire. And whenever he was retiring he reached out his hand to me and he said, Joey Mac." he said, you are always welcome at my table. And I said, oh, thanks, Donnie. I didn't think much of it. But I felt the Lord quicken my spirit when he said those words to me and grabbed my hand. I felt the anointing. So I, then I leaned over to him after a few moments and I said, Brother Donnie, I said, what exactly did you mean by those words? I would like to know the significance of them. He said, well, it means this. You and I can become friends at work and we can talk and we can drink coffee and we can have a good time. He said, but if I think highly enough of you, you and I can do some things after work together. We may go fishing, we may do this, we may do that. He said, if I really think very high of you, then maybe we will increase it a little bit more and we'll do some other things. He said, but if I really, really like you and think very highly of you, I will invite you over to my house to sit at my table with my family. And he said, you are always welcome at my table." God says to you today, no matter where you you will open the door. I will come in unto you. And I will sup with you at your table. That's what God thinks of you. As the worship team begins to play, I don't know who this message, this word was for today. Maybe it was for all of us. These altars are open. This altar, it's a... It's a meeting place between us and the Lord where we come and we begin to speak to Him and we just say, God, I've been in this place. I've been distant, Lord. I know that You're far away from my heart. I thought I was near You, Lord God, but after hearing Your Word today, I know. Your Word was like a GPS showing me that I was not where I thought I was. Lord, will You welcome me back in? Oh, will you have sweet fellowship with me? Lord, will you have just a little bit closer walk with me? If that was you today, I want you to come down to these altars. Come on, don't wait, don't tarry. I think this message was probably for all of us today. Where was God in your life? Maybe you heard the gospel, the good news today. Maybe you heard how Jesus saves, He redeems, He forgives. Even a wretch like you. Oh, we all were there one day, but I want to tell you, we came and we gave our hearts and our lives to Jesus Christ for an eternity. It doesn't matter where you are, where you've been, God will forgive you today and He will welcome you into His kingdom. Oh, would you come this morning? Come down here and stand right before me if you feel like the Lord has spoken to you today and you're not saved. Don't walk out of here lost and dying. I want to tell you, you may not have the opportunity ever again. Would you come today as they begin to play? Oh, hallelujah, would you come?